0: Oh, that was a hard week to do that. They surprised us with all that. That was the staff pastors, and and, uh, we watched all over. They filmed all our kids without us knowing, and uh, so they didn't return most of them, and so we're still looking for the kids. Uh, Andy, I don't know. Andy talks to the wall, so I don't know how that all works, that he figures out they can hear them, but that was a recorded thing. So, Andy, I don't know what you're doing, talking to the kids. Uh, We're so glad to have you here this morning. Uh, That was a hard week, Um, just be able to hear your kids talk. I can think back to May, uh, Memorial Day weekend in May. It was Friday. And Friday, we had a celebration with our, one of our little grandkids, three-year-old birthday party. If you don't know, I've got three daughters, three son-in-laws. Each of them gave us two grandkids. we got six grandkids, all six and under. And so we have a tribe. We all live within two miles of each other. And so we, we celebrated that birthday. And two hours later, um, one of the families, I won't tell you the name right now, um, they got in the car, and they left. They got on the train, the California Exodus train to Tennessee. They moved away from us, these ungrateful children. <laughs> so however, you know, upset I was this week, you know, of hearing them back, I'm still upset over Memorial Day. And so she better be watching on the video that right now. Um, so it was really a tough time to really go through that grieving element. But if you remember that week of Memorial As I was going through the grieving, I was just kind of, you know, depressed, and I was angry, and I was happy for their journey, and I was going in and out. That same week, 19 kids were killed at Rob Elementary in Texas. And it just took me in through that period as I was going through my own grief of a family that was moving to realize that there were families grieving that would no longer be able to tuck those kids in at night. They would no longer be able to go to the local ice cream shop and get an ice cream cone. The grandparents would not even be able to FaceTime them and be able to have communication with them. And I, and I thought, yeah, I've got that. And these 19 families don't. And so I just that weekend, they were heavy on my heart, and I prayed for them. And I know some of you, you've, you've lost children, or some of your children have moved, and we go through grieving times. But the idea is there's perspective to everything, and when we think of the loss of this fam- these families that will no longer have opportunity to be around their kids, it kind of puts our world into perspective. Now, I don't know what's been going on the last couple of years, but in my journey in life, these last couple of years have just been wacky. They're just crazy, all the things that we're experiencing today. There's just, you know, a height of political craziness the housing market, the interest rates, gas prices. I mean, I want to go back to 2019 when I tried to figure out who took the straws away. Why could we not have any straws anymore? <laughs> I mean, this is, this is crazy what's going on. And we have become such a culture that is criticizing, condemning, and canceling that we have impacted those in our community and those right in our inner circle. We have broken fellowship. We have broken relationship with family. With friends, we jump on social media and we take our opinions and turn them into disgust. And it just becomes a place of ugliness. And we're living in this today. And I realized that you know what? The same thing was happening 2,000 years ago. If you look in the book of Mark, chapter 6, it says that Jesus had left that part of the country where he probably would have been around the Sea of Galilee. That's where he did a lot of his teaching and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, the place that he was was born, his own hometown. And the next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue and many who heard them, look, it says, they were amazed at his teaching. They were amazed, but then the very next verse, they go from amazement, they say, yeah, but where did he get all this wisdom from? and the power to perform such miracles and then immediately they scoffed now many of us know the story we know that they loved him on sunday and they killed him on friday this was the type of culture that jesus was living in and here even though he performed miracles and even though he was an amazing teacher and the people that listened were amazed they scoffed at him and they said he's just a carpenter the son of mary And the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and his sisters live right here among us. What he says is he lives on the other side of the tracks. He's from Nazareth. We have another part of scripture that says nothing ever good came out of Nazareth. You know, it's that community that you say, nothing ever good comes from over there. Nothing good comes from that town. That's where Jesus is from. Who is this guy? Yeah, we were amazed once, but really, who is he? And then watch this. It says they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. They were deeply offended. Aren't we in a deeply offended culture right now? People are offended over everything, and they're going to let everyone know it. They're going to let them know it on social media. They're going to talk to relatives and family. They're going to be drawing deep, dark um, lines in between their beliefs, their opinions, and they take those things that they believe so strongly and they cause broken relationship with them. The problem is that when we are offended, we are unable to receive from the deliverer because once we're offended, we write them off, and we have written off so many people in our culture by becoming this condemning, criticizing, canceling culture. Does it need to change? Jesus responds to them, and he says, a prophet is honored everywhere except his own hometown, and among his very own relatives and family. Jesus knows the problem. There's an absence of honor. There's an absence of being honored. There's an absence of honoring others. Now, what is this thing called honor? Now, if we know what it is to be without honor, we know that that's to treat something as common or ordinary, take it lightly, We devalue it. It doesn't have really a whole lot of importance, so we we dishonor it. We treat something or someone less than they really are. But honor is to value, to respect, to highly esteem, to treat as precious, valuable. I have on the stage, obviously, you've been looking at this violin. The violin is a very delicate and unique and yet complex instrument. It's made of spruce wood and maple wood. It's it's now an instrument that's over 500 years old. Um, It's put together by 70 different pieces of wood handcrafted to be an instrument. We don't really hear much of it today because oftentimes Luis is just playing the violin within the keyboard, and so we don't think about the violin. But when when you see it and you realize that, man, something over 500 years old, something, the most expensive violin that was ever sold was $16 million. In fact, it's this one. Just kidding. It's not this one. But something about the instrument caused us that if I was to hand it to you, you would treat it with esteem and you would treat it with respect and you would, you would value it probably. Most of you would. Some of you say, ah, oh, it's just a violin. What's the big deal? But the reality is it's an instrument that deserves honor. And so what is this thing, honor? It's really the way we ought to be treating people. I think this is the one word I want to share with you today, the one simplistic action that we can do is to demonstrate honor in a crazy culture that we live in. I know that I am called to put others first. I know that I am to prefer, to defer, but rather our culture has become one that rips people apart, tears them apart apart pulls them down, we scream our opinion or our offensiveness through T-shirts and flags and social media, and we put not just our opinion but our disgust, and it begins to draw heavy lines between those and others, even, potentially, those in our inner circle. And so we know, if we know that we were called to live a different way, there's two things that we need to realize. Who do we need to honor, and how do we honor them? So how do we go about this? So first of all, who do we honor? Romans chapter 12 verse 10. It says, "Honor one another above yourselves." Now this just one verse gives us both things. gives us the who and the how. The who is one another, each other. Honor each other. How? Above yourselves." Look what First Peter chapter two says. He says, "Honor everyone. So everyone around you, within your circle and outside of your circle, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Now, Peter is not just telling us to honor people that are just like us or those that we agree with or that we align with, but we are to choose honor for everyone on the planet. When Peter wrote this, Nero was the emperor. Nero was known for torching Christians just for the sport of it. And yet Peter is writing, it doesn't matter if they're not honorable, we just need to value them. In fact, 1 Peter 2, verse 17 from the Message Bible says, treat everyone you meet with dignity, with respect, with esteem, with value. This is a value that we need to uphold. So we understand the who. The who is everyone. And the how is above ourselves. But then the Bible gets really specific. And in some of these things, I may share opinion. You can choose to take it or delete it. But when I share a scripture, you've got to choose whether you're going to believe it and accept it and live it. The Bible tells us specifically we're to honor authority. 1 Peter chapter 2 says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. wow. I'll explain to you just a minute who that is, but it says whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors, come on, who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. Peter's saying, Submit to everyone, no matter if you agree or not. You may choose not to obey, but the reality is you need to honor. Why? Because it says it is God's will. For you. If you're searching for God's will in your life, you wonder what it is. Right here is one aspect of God's will that we would show honor. It says that by doing good, you will silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. There's a lot of foolishness going on, there's a lot of foolishness being communicated. And when people are dishonoring anyone else, the one way to stop it is to step in and speak positive about that person. That's why the Bible says, show proper respect. To everyone. So what is this proper respect? The proper respect is that we understand that by complaining and criticizing, that only lights the fire. But when you come in and change a person's opinion or you give a different opinion, it silences the ignorant. It takes the conversation down several notches. And so we can actually ask ourselves, do I pray more or do I criticize and complain more? If you want to properly show respect to everyone, choose to pray more than you complain and criticize, and you'll probably be okay. But my guess is that in today's culture, we rip apart and we tear apart those around us, those outside of our circle, because we think it's funny or we think it's humorous or we really do have a disgust for what's going on, and we think that somehow that's gonna make it better, but the Bible says it doesn't. Show proper respect to everyone. The way we do that is pray more, criticize less. Who are these authorities? There are essentially four authorities that we need to pay attention to. We have our governmental authorities. We have those authorities that are put in charge of us that sometimes, yeah, it's our vote. It's not our vote. It's someone else's vote, what have you. We go through all this and realize that governmentally they are put in that seat. And we may agree, we may not agree, but the reality is whether we agree or not, God calls us to honor, to value, to esteem, to hold up with great dignity. In governing authorities, we would have our local first responders, we would have our local governments. We have our work and school authorities, we have those that we work for, that we report to. We have schools that have developed org charts of who's who and who sets the rules. Again, we may agree, we may not align, but the reality is we need to honor. We have, thirdly, a family authority. In a family authority, there's a there is a life tree or a, 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 an organizational chart, if you will, that there are those that are older, those that are peers. We have grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins, and we have all these people involved, and God says, even with them, show honor. We have spiritual authority. When we come to a church building in which to worship, there is a church structure there are those that have taken your kids this morning, you've checked them in, they are teaching them, they are caring for them, they are watching over them, and we are to respect and to honor. Sometimes we just go in, check them in, check them out, and we don't even think about the people that give up their time, effort, and energy and volunteered in which to serve you as a family. And so do we honor them in our words of, thank you, I appreciate what you do. The Bible further goes on to talk about honoring parents. Now, if you're a parent in the room, you love this verse because it says in Ephesians 6, honor your father and mother. You just tell your kids, look, it's in the Bible. You have no choice. In fact, let's go down to the tattoo parlor, and we're going to tattoo it right here just so you remember it because the Bible says it, honor your father and mother. But here's the problem. The problem is how many of you have either had or have parents? Raise your hands. There should be most of you. I I know there's a couple that we're not sure, but all of us are kids. Now, whether your parents have passed on or whether your parents are are far away or whether you've drawn some really big wall or built big walls between you and your parents, the reality is this scripture says to all kids, no matter what age, honor your father and mother. But you say, I don't have a good one. It doesn't matter. This is for you. You say, but you don't know what they did to me. No, I, I, I don't know what they did to you, but this still says to honor them. See, by honoring, this will benefit you all the more. Look how the verse continues. It says, this is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on earth. We will obtain this promise of quality of life. If we choose to honor our parents, our mother, and our father. Again, agree, align, not important. But to honor, vital, imperative, God's will for your life. Now, many of you that are parents may feel inadequate as a parent. You may feel ill-equipped as a parent. Some of you may feel like a failure as a parent. But here's the deal. Parenting is about faith rather than formulas. People can tell you things that if you do this, that'll work. If I did this, you should. No, it, it's not about formulas. It's about faithfulness. It, it's about grace rather than any kind of guarantee, just exercise grace. And it's about steadfastness. It's about being patient and showing up rather than success. Today is Father's Day. And there are dads in the audience today. There are dads that are watching that are trying to do the best they can with the cards they've been dealt. There are dads that go to work and attempt to provide for their family. And there's no doubt in my mind that every single dad that is represented here this morning is doing a fantastic job and should be honored as dad. No matter what they've done, no matter what words they've said, no matter what mistakes they've made, they are still and yet to be honored. And so today, dads, you are honored. Happy Father's Day to you as dads. Can we applaud all the dads in the room? Come on, give them up. Dads do the best they can with what they've got. Do they do it right every time? Probably not. Do they frustrate? Do they disappoint? Probably so. Don't we all? We are not perfect this side of heaven. It's not an easy job. It's not an easy job to be a mom either. I'm not discounting you, but this is Father's Day. Talking about them. The Bible then says to honor marriage. Hebrews chapter 13 says, give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God Will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Now, this is hard to talk about. I've talked about it for years in my ministry, and marriage just seems to be getting more and more difficult for me to talk about because I don't understand everything that's happening in our culture and in our world today. I don't know your past. I don't know mistakes that you've made, and I'm not talking about those. Know that the Bible, the cross, and Jesus on that cross deals with your past. I'm talking about today and forward. I'm talking about today and the future, what your marriage should look like. God says it ought to be honored. We have to honor one another. But the problem is, too often couples just exist. They go through the daily grind of life doing the same thing, the same way, with no desire, time, or passion to make a difference in their marriage. They don't uphold common purpose or goals or vision, and so they just relax and go into roommate living, and the the marriage relationship doesn't look what God meant it to be. In my 35 years of ministry, I think I've done over 300 weddings. And when you stand there and you see, I, sometimes I get a little cynical, and so if I married you in the room, I'm not talking about your wedding. <laughs> you see all the money spent on this one-day occasion. You got all the family, friends, everybody's dressed up. It's going to be a good party. You come to the point where the bride and groom are standing before you, and I have this place where they're going to give promise, vows to each other. And oftentimes when I say them, I wonder, is it going to exist? Is it going to be fulfilled from this day forward? Because for some... They think it's until something better comes along. They think that for better or for worse means this is worse than I took it for, and so I want to change. I want an exchange program. Our commitment to our vows is not the same. Marriage has been cheapened. It appears that vows mean nothing, and we've not allowed the marriage relationship to be protected and to be honored. But the Bible says we need to give honor to marriage. Peter even takes it up a notch. In 1 Peter, he says, in the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives. There's no choice here. But you don't know what she does. You don't know what she says. You don't know how she, I I know, but it it doesn't care about that. It says just give her honor. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. Now, I know that's not easy. Women are hard to figure out. They're very complex, guys, I know. But Peter's saying, try to understand. As you're going to live with her, try to understand her. Try to get her. Try to understand it. It says she may be weaker than you are. Now, she says she may be. I know there's some women in here that can kick your husband's butt. I get it. But this is some might be weaker, but here's the point. She's your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should. Why? Why? Listen to the why. Treat her as you should so that your prayers will not be hindered. Men, are you praying, husbands? Do you pray for your career? Do you pray for your kids? Do you pray for your community? Do you pray for your finances? Do you pray for all things to go well, and you just feel like your prayers go about six feet high and just come back down? Could it be your prayers are not being answered because you're not treating your wife in an honoring way? We need to honor each other as spouses, but men, it says especially you, honor your wife. My wife and I, we've always said in marriage ministry, if you're thirsty, get your wife a drink. And most guys, well, I don't know if she's thirsty or not. It doesn't matter. Just you're getting a drink, go get her one too. You say, well, she didn't even drink it. It doesn't matter. In her psyche and in her mind, just the mere fact that you thought of it and brought it without asking goes a long way. We can honor one another with the simplest, random kind of acts, acts of kindness that exist in the world, if we would just be a little bit more intentional, a little bit more purposeful. The Bible says also, honor the older. In Leviticus chapter 19, it says, stand up in the presence of the elderly and show respect for the aged. Fear your God, I am the Lord. Job chapter 12 says, Wisdom belongs to the aged and understanding to the old. I met with a guy this week and he gave me just a great illustration of this. It was out of context of this sermon, but it was in conversation. He said, You know what it is when an old person passes? It's like an entire library just burned down. All the knowledge and the wisdom goes with them. And we will regret not tapping into that knowledge and wisdom so that we can be better people, that we can take that experience that we could take their journey, that we could take their successes, we could take their mistakes and we can apply them to our own life. And there's a wealth of knowledge if we would just honor the older and know that there is a library full of knowledge and wisdom that exists. And then the Bible tells us to honor God. And you might say, you probably should have started with this one, maybe. But here's the reality. Malachi chapter one says, isn't it true that a son honors his father and mother and a worker his master, his boss? So if I'm your father, God's saying this, if I'm your father, where's the honor? Where's the honor due? If I'm your master, where's the respect? And then I love this line, God of the angel armies is calling you on the carpet. How well do you honor God? Men, women, anybody in the room, how well do you honor God? Is God your first priority? Is God your first place priority in your life? Or is God, God when he's convenient? God wants to be first place. He wants us to honor Him. He wants us to quit complaining and griping. He wants us to honor Him, and He wants to be first. In fact, Matthew tells us to seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things of life will be blessed upon you, will be added upon you, if we would allow God to be first. Proverbs chapter 3 says, honor the Lord with your wealth. And say, oh, good, I'm not wealthy. So this isn't talking to me. I'll tell you what wealth means in a minute. Honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the best part of everything you produce, not the leftovers, the best part. When he talks about wealth, he's talking about three things that each and every one of us have. We have time, we have talents, and we have treasures, we have possessions. And God says, I want the first part and I want the best part. I want a part of your time. I want you to text VBS to that number and help serve. (laughs) Ooh, he just slid that right in there. How do you do that? He wants you to stand at a door and greet. He wants you to be down in the parking lot make sure everybody's safe. He wants you to usher. He wants you to be in production or in music. He wants you to say, let me have a little bit of your talent, a little bit of your time, a little bit of what is mine already that I've given you. So let me have a, let me have a little bit of it so that I can bless you all the more. And we say, no, God, you just get the leftovers. When we choose to put God first, we determine that he is more important than any other person. That his word is more valuable than any other message. And that his will is weightier than any other imperative. We need to honor God. Why? Because he loved you and me so much that he had his son killed for us. Just that alone. Says God, you went that far from me. I need to take a step closer to you. God allowed his son to die so that you and I could live. Why would he do that? I have, I have no idea. I just know that God is a God of going the extra mile, and he asks us to go the extra mile ourselves. So when it comes to honor, we need to go the extra mile. And so the call to action this week for each and every one of us is the verse I started with, Romans chapter 12, verse 10. In another verse in the Bible, it says this, Outdo one another. Outdo one another in showing honor. Allow it to be a competition. Outdo your spouse more than they honor you. Outdo your kids more than they honor you. Outdo the people in your community. Outdo the people that are outside your circle. Outdo them with honor. Why? Because God outdid us all by giving up His Son so that we might have life. And so my challenge to you this week is to honor someone. Pick someone. If you're going to go to a restaurant, bless that person that is serving you. They're working too. They make a mistake. They made a mistake. Don't we all make mistakes? Why do we treat people so horribly? Honor them. Bless them. Choose to text or email or pick up the phone and actually dial and call someone and honor them. Today, I want to honor you. It may be because of Father's Day. maybe because of something else, their influence in your life. But how hard is it to just do one simple random act in which to demonstrate honor? Let me demonstrate it to you really quickly. On the screen, you're going to see a picture of my dad. My dad passed away about eight years ago. He had a stroke a couple of years before that. And so I've been without my dad for a lot of years now. Finally, I think my mom's here this morning. We're going to... New Jersey, back east, and we're finally going to do what we've wanted to all along, is to take him back there for rest next to his mother and father on family property. And so we're going to be able to do that in October. But this was a guy who taught me work ethic. When you work, go over and beyond. Do more than you're expected to. When you borrow something, give it back better than you received it. And make sure you give it back. Don't forget about it. You borrow something, give it back. And then he said, respect everyone. My dad wasn't a highly spiritual guy, but it was important to him. They said, you respect them because they're your elder. You respect them because you work for them. You respect them because they're in your community. You just respect them. And so I haven't had my dad in a long time, but that guy sitting there with that smile was that infectious smile and laugh that I'll never forget. And no matter what bad or what good it's time to honor and even not here I honor my dad and say happy father's day. The next picture my son-in-laws. So you'll see three of them up there that they came and they asked me a question, can I marry your daughter? I should have thought longer, but <laughs> said yes and marriage happened and now they work hard to Provide for their families and protect them and create a life for them. And, and I love them. The one on the left is the one that went to Tennessee, so I don't like him so much today, but, but I love them because they're taking care of my daughters. And this is Father's Day for them, and I honor them, and I esteem them, and I value them, and I uphold them, and I wish them a Father's Day. The people that you'll see next are people that you wouldn't know necessarily. Uh, Cornerstone allows me, after 35 years of ministry, to go and consult with churches across the nation. So churches invite me in, and I get a peek behind the curtain and I get to help them clarify vision and cre- create some strategic planning and, and structure in, in their system for it from just and some systems we have in place. And each one of these are senior pastors or lead pastors. The two in the middle you probably recognize because I serve them now. But all the ones on the outside are the last couple of years of senior pastors and lead pastors that I've had one-on-one conversations with. And leading a church is not easy. I, I'm, I'm an executive pastor. I don't, I don't lead the church. I'm a leader in the church, but it's hard to carry that role. And so when I think of Pastor Ron 30 years ago and planning this church and, and passing the baton to Andy and Andy taking that, that helm right now, though, those are places that pastors carry a lot of weight on their shoulders because they care about your spiritual lives. And these guys and, and ladies, I've had opportunity to have those one-on-one conversations with. They've allowed me in. And so Friday, I just emailed all of them I said, I, I just really appreciate that you would allow me the honor to come in your church and today honor you. I honor you men as dads and husbands and spiritual leaders of your church. And so I just sent a quick email because it was easy to do and it was gotten in the responses back it's been overwhelming because they're like, wow, thank you so much. I, I thought you forgot about us, um, honestly, because we haven't seen each other in a long time, but you still pray for me. And so that was really important. And so these, these people are, are important in my life. How hard is it to just reach out and honor someone today? And so I challenge you, I challenge you to accept that challenge and say, I will honor someone today, whether it's Father's Day message or whether it's just someone that's important to me, I want to honor them. I can do it simply, I can do it randomly, but I just want to honor them today. So how do we do it? Let me give you three things that I think are important. First of all, when you honor, you do it with humility. In Philippians it says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. It's a you-first mindset. It's training your eye and your mind to see people another way because honoring begins with knowing that God's claim is on them. They are God's creation. And so whether we agree or whether we align or not, it doesn't matter. They are God's person and we are to honor them. Too often we are busy seeing people as they are, not who they can become. God sees that in you and me because we're not perfect either. With how imperfect we are, He still chose His Son to die on your and my behalf. And oftentimes we ought to ask the question, should He have? So we honor with humility. Secondly, we honor with our words. James says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings. With it, we wear shirts, we put social media posts, we, we raise flags of, of cursing human beings. But they've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. You, you worship in the morning, but then you, you curse that person in the afternoon. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Ephesians chapter 4, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it might benefit those who listen. And, and, listen, look, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do you recognize that we can grieve the Holy Spirit by our words, by our actions, by the lines that we draw, by the dishonoring that we give? And God says, no, you need to honor Thirdly, we honor with our actions. Anything that you honor, you value. Anything you value, you protect. So we ought to treat with care and protection, with awe and respect and dignity. We ought to put actions behind our intentions, especially towards your inner circle. Family members that you've cut off, or maybe they've cut you off. We have a responsibility. Again, Mark chapter 6, Jesus said to them, a prophet It's not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. And then it says he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. It doesn't say that he would not. It just says that he could not. We weaken Jesus' power when we choose not to show honor to those that he puts in our path and in our life. We weaken his power. So we ought not wait until someone deserves it. We ought to be people that honor others because they are God's creation. They are his workmanship. We don't have to agree. We don't have to align. But we need to protect the work of God and the work that he's doing in their life that we may know nothing about. And so we protect that. We allow ourselves to go the extra mile and protect those because they were made in God's image. There was an auctioneer that was auctioning off a number of items and it was a long day and he was tired. He just wanted to go home but the very last piece was a violin. The violin had no strings. It made no music. There was no sound that came from it so it seemed practically useless. And so he put out the bid. He said, would anyone give me $10? Not a hand went up. Would anyone give me five? Would anyone give me a buck? And not a single hand went up. But then there was a gentleman in the audience that came up and he took the violin and he put some strings on it. He oiled the keys, he tightened the strings, and he began to tune it. He put it to his chin and he took this bow and he began to rub it over the strings. And from it became beautiful music that the crowd that listened stood and cheered because of the beautiful music that came from it. And the auctioneer said, Who would give me a thousand? Who would give me five? Who would give me ten? And hands kept going up. Because when the master touched the violin, it turned into something completely different. See, we see people as invaluable. They have an opinion that we don't agree with. There's someone that we think is disgusting. There are people that did some really bad things. But when the hand of God comes upon them, when God is the creator, the worker, that put that person into existence... We have a responsibility because when the master touches the piece, it becomes a masterpiece. <laughs> is there value in the instrument? Of course. But there's honor when the master plays. In the same way, people are valuable, but we honor because God created them. Each one, whether we agree or not, is a workmanship of God. And so we've been called to do one thing today just show honor. And so, Father, God, I pray for each and every person that is here. Lord, whatever would weigh heavy on them today, be Father's Day, whether a good parent, a bad parent, a parent present or a parent gone, people in their life, they've chosen to criticize and condemn. I pray that you'd change our hearts today and allow us to exercise the value of honor. Helps to do that within our inner circle and to everyone outside. God, may it please you today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? A pleasure to share with you today. Happy Father's Day. Let's go have some bacon. Have a good day.